Blog Talk Radio. Julie, you're on. 
Hi, Carol. Thanks so much for having me. I like the way you put that, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That puts it into perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. I love working on prevention, and prevention to me feels like Christmas. So you have to know where I've been the last 30 years. I've been a, a school counselor hearing stories of children who were assaulted when they were little and they never told anyone. I worked at a middle school for kid, and my kids were 11 to 14 and they never told anyone and that's how I got the idea. One day I woke up on a Saturday and I'm like, is no one talking to the little people? So I wanted to write a message that was for young children, I would say zero to eight years old and I wrote some parts are not for sharing in one day and I wrote it to try to be an answer for my kids at school who I really couldn't help. Um, Remediation is not easy. There's not a lot of answers. Prevention is really easy, and there's a lot of answers. So then I started to do prevention, and that's how I got started. And that was in 2007, so long ago. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. You see, I I do a lot of research on all that, and... um, and then also, too, I had worked with all of that, too, um, from kids that were in detention then those that, um, you know, were in other different parts of their life, very bad, very bad. So prevention is very, very, very important. I'm not saying that the others aren't important. I say prevention, you know, um, always leaving that first because um, if we could only, you know, do more as a society and do more in our family, have more education ourselves, you know. We could we could probably, you know, put that little dent, as I like to say, in the statistics of child abuse. We could do that, okay, because our kids would be smart kids. They'd be educated kids, right? And yeah. uh, by being educated kids, you know, it might uh, save some children from going through what so many of us at NASCA has gone through, you know, being kidnapped, um, the sexual abuse at home, all right, sexual abuse outside of the home, um, the beatings, all the things. And so often I'm not going to go on anymore because I want you to tell us what type of families, because I already know that, but there's a lot of people who are listening tonight that may not have an idea completely of the background, the environmental conditioning that you and I know about, you know, of what kids go through at home and uh what that does to them. What I found, and if you're listening, this is the worst thing you can do. So the worst thing you can do is say nothing. If you say mm-hmm. nothing, your child will say nothing if they're harmed. And then so that begs the next question. People look at me and they say, Julie, I don't know what to say. I'm not you. I said, you don't have to know what to say. You can read my book to your kid, and it is the tip of the iceberg, and it's the whole story and it will give them what they need to feel safe. And that's the end of the discussion. But you have to say something. Um, You have to open that door for them and give them permission to tell because kids inherently don't want to tell. They don't want to rock the boat. You know, that was your brother who we haven't seen in 10 years, and he came for Christmas, and he touched me. That is an extremely hard thing to tell a parent, and they won't tell you unless you give them permission to tell. And I'm all over YouTube. I give people the language. You know, you can even play the video for the kid as if they're older. I've talked and talked about this for so long. Um, 
but I don't feel like I'm making a dent. Um, yeah. So many people just don't want to talk about it. I work at a high school right now. <laughs> and what I know about these kids, they talk about everything, and I mean everything under the sun. Appropriate, inappropriate, they cover all the bases. So in about 10 years, I'm going to get real popular because these kids will talk to their children about all of these, everything, not just this, but everything, all the other social problems that are out there. So that gives me hope. Right, right. I understand what you're talking about. You know, I started working um, with NASCA. My God, I've been here 14 years now, just about 14 Mm -hmm. years. And um, so much has changed. It has changed, Julie, you know, because um, when I wrote my book many years ago now, in 2010, um, Mm -hmm. that was actually the second edition, um, I'll tell you what, uh, people didn't want to talk about child abuse. Okay, I was with a publishing company before, um, Uh Walter House, and um, they didn't want to talk about child abuse. They were going to make a movie out of my book. They wanted me to, yeah, hold on. They wanted me to make a a trailer, and I gave them the money. Trailer was made. Never got a chance to see it, mind you, because their department, their legal department, said, oh, no, this is much too volatile. You see, so you're talking about years before and and how people were so closed-mouthed, which is so, so, so true, all right? Whereas today, at least we do have um, people making movies and, of course, they're still writing their books and they'll always write their books, their memoirs or whatever, and uh, with the children books. Now, that's what's so terribly important. Because, you know, so often parents are embarrassed. A lot of this is the, the parents' fault. They're too embarrassed uh-huh. to sit their kids down, and they don't know how to go about, um, you know, telling their children about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, and, and they don't call, you know, the parts of the body as they are. They're too ashamed. They, they don't know how to do it. All right. So with you writing the type of books that you write, this is a tool for parents, and that's why it's so very, very important for your type of work and for people to, you know, to know that it's important to have your books. Very important. It is important to have my books. I do want to say one thing in the parents' defense about why they don't want to talk. I know Mm -hmm. many, many, I don't know how many, millions and millions of parents were victimized as little kids, so this triggers them. This conversation triggers their own abuse that they never talked about, so it's hard. It Mm -hmm. gets real hard real fast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. I think the book is great, because the book says everything that you need to say. Like I said, this book is for zero to eight-year-olds. As your kids age, their questions will change. You will have to get other books. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And on my website, I've listed them like in order. Mine is the first one. And then the second one is I Said No by Kimberly King. That's mm-hmm. for a little older kids. And the last book, I would say, is for 9 and 10, 11-year-olds, is The Swimsuit Lesson by John mm-hmm. Holston. And that's mm-hmm. the age progression. So if you run out and you're like, my kids are too old, I need the second book. The second book is I Said No by Kimberly King. And, mm-hmm. um, and then they kind of go in order. And then The Swimsuit Lesson. The guy who wrote The Swimsuit Lesson uses the same language that I did, and I had never, we had never spoken to each other, and it was so strange reading his book. I'm like, we're like twins. Um, 
because I have swimsuits in my book. So there is an age progression. If you are mm-hmm. a parent and you were victimized, recognize that, honor that, talk about it with someone, but don't stop. You know, don't let that be like, oh, my mom never talked to me. Don't let that stop you from talking to your children because my guess is you don't want the same thing to happen to your kids, and it will it could, mm-hmm. it might, mm-hmm. if you don't ever say anything to them. That's what's so important for people to realize. I mean, I still hear stupid people. I want to say ignorant people, okay? <laughs> ignorant people. <laughs> well, you know, I got slapped in the head, and, and I'm okay. But that person's sitting down at the end of the bar getting drunk, okay? A lot of times they self-medicate if they haven't spoken themselves about what happened to them, if they didn't get the proper help, Okay. And uh, then they go home, and when they do so often, they take it out on their family, usually the wife or the spouse, okay? And, uh, and many times then the children are always going to be afraid that maybe I'll be next, you know, mommy or daddy. Um, look at how they're behaving, and uh, maybe I'm going to get hit next. So, so this this terrorizes children, um, and it's it's traumatizing to them to watch, you know, what happens at home. And, you know, being that we've worked in the field, you know, with with so much of, of the alcohol and the drug abuse, and, and I've had it in my own families and all this other stuff, we certainly know what, what can happen inside of a family and what can happen to children just from the sheer trauma of watching it. And And that's a shame. That's a darn shame. But, you see, children, they need to be taught because it's out there. It's everywhere. And, and even with the trafficking, look at the trafficking that's happening today, $150 billion a year industry. Children have to learn, you know, that there are people out there who can, you know, just scoop them up because that's what they do. And um, not to terrorize the children, but if it's done the proper way, to educate them. And then they can sit and think, well, oh, Mommy and Daddy care so much about me. They want me not just to learn about don't take candy from strangers and uh, things like that or how to cross the street. Um, but there's other things out there, too, to watch out for. So this is important. So that's why I say if we have educated children, all right, if we have educated children, they have a better chance a better chance at uh, maybe not, you know, getting kidnapped, maybe not, you know, getting raped. And and, and, uh, if it's happening in the home, now that is a problem. You know that. That's hard. Okay, I went through that too. And it's it's very, very difficult. I had two people in my family. So, and then if you have parents that don't care, that just doubles the trouble. You know what I'm saying? Uh Oh, things like this happen in families. Really? Well, yes, they do, but they're not supposed to. I was just a kid, and I knew better than that. Mm-hmm. So, you see, there's so many problems out there, Julie. So, with writing books, and then people who do love their children, who do care about their children, who do not want them to get victimized such as they were victimized, um, you know, they can use this as a tool for their children, even if they feel... I understand what you're saying about the triggering, but we have to put our kids first, okay? And that's what we have to do um, because they are our children. And so yeah, often and that doesn't happen, okay? 
No. 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 They're not protected. They're not protected at all. And um, with a little a little bit of knowledge is power. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. a lot of the parents that are doing this, a lot of it is in the family. Mm-hmm. So with a little bit of pushback, these people will move on to someone else. These are not people on America's Most Wanted. These are people around your Thanksgiving table. And I always yeah. like to put a push out for Thanksgiving. So when people go to Thanksgiving, no one's on alert. It's not like when you go to the Walmart and you don't take your eye off your kid. You know what I mean? You show up at mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, you have a few drinks, you eat some turkey, some pumpkin pie, the kids are all playing in the next room, and your guard is down. You're not mm-hmm. thinking, I need to be in my safe zone here. We're with family, friends. That's probably one of the most dangerous times. Child abuse is all about access. and mm-hmm. A lot of people have access to your kid on Thanksgiving. When the kids are playing in another room, go play to, take a plate of cooking cookies and go check on them. And before I went to a big Thanksgiving dinner with my kid, I would look right at them and said, if someone touches you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, come and find me. And some mm-hmm. people even have a safe word. Like when I talk at schools, I, the kids call me the fish lady. I said, if you need to talk to your teacher about this book, teachers are the most busy people on the planet, you say to your teacher, Miss Smith, I need to talk to you about the fish book, and that's a signal to the teacher, uh, I need to handle this right now. So if you want to go as far as having a safe word, you can. You don't have to. I think mm-hmm. you just lay it out and you tell, you give your children a little information um, mm-hmm. because knowledge is power, and you want your kids to be the smartest kid on the block. You know what I that's mean? Right. I, that's right. I can't protect That's everybody, right. but I'll protect your kid if you listen to me. And mm-hmm. I can't protect your neighbor's kid unless they listen to me. But like I said, if your kids give some pushback and say, I don't want to do this, they'll move in another direction most times. Um, that's just because they're looking for something easy. And if it's not going to be easy, they don't want they don't want to get involved, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me bring on um let me bring on my co host, Lori. And um Lori, do you have some uh questions you'd like to ask or you want to make a comment? Oh yeah, I do want to comment. Um I have a niece um that actually worked away, walked away from your job. Um and I've been stuck in my head. I haven't talked to her since you know, because she turned her back on kids that were confiding in her. But now I'm hearing you and whatnot. So you made me feel better that there's still somebody out there that's really going to, you know, help. You know, we're minus one that could have been, had the education. And you, you, you've done a lot. So you're refreshing to me. I think you're right on target. Um, you've got a lot of aspects, right, of exactly where they can get abused and probably do. I mean, I even still remember uh, when the family got together in another room with what we all used to do with the cousins. So that's definitely uh, a good way to get into, you know, and see what they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. after the toddler age. So, yeah, uh, you are refreshing to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry about your friend. Um, are um, you all not communicating right now? Oh, you know, my niece, um, she communicates with my husband. I cannot handle a person that turns their back on kids. I just can't do it. So I'm not interested in 
her. That's just the way I am. Well, just because she left this highly sometimes toxic job doesn't mean she's turned her back on kids. She may have left a job that wasn't good for her. I mean, you can work no, with she kids did. in a hundred different she ways. Didn't want, she didn't want to work with kids. That's what she decided. Okay. Okay. She yeah. went to work well, in a school and just decided she just didn't want to work, work with kids because it upset her too much. I'm like, why are you in the field in the first yeah. place? Is so she, she danced around six other places. She, she's not supposed to be um, what she is, so she keeps bouncing yeah. from place to place. It's very disheartening to, and yeah. she's not the only one. I mean, there's so many people out there that are like her. I just happen to have her as my niece. Too many yeah. of them, too few of you. That's that's <laughs> what I'm. That's what it is. Well, it's not. It's, it's not an easy job, and it's not for everyone. Um, I wanted to be a weatherman when I was little. I wish someone had counseled me to be a weatherman. <laughs> I did, but, too, actually. I love I know. the weather. Isn't it fun? <laughs> I'm on a mountain now. I can't I can't wait till winter starts. I know. I'm at the end of the cliff. <laughs> it's kind of a brother. That's <laughs> funny. Well, you know, um, you know, one thing about being a weatherman or a weatherwoman, whatever, um, you can never really be wrong because if something bad happens and, and what, what you mm-hmm. say isn't going to happen, well, that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. You never know what the weather's going to do. <laughs> they mm-hmm. never get in mm-hmm. trouble, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm working with people's a, lives, and the stakes yeah. are so high. They make a wrong move, people wind up dead or shot or hurt or <laughs> who knows know. what. Yeah. There is no saying. Yeah. Well, that's just life, you know. Sorry, you got shot. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> I do like the weather thing. So I live in Colorado, and they're very, very, very frequently wrong because the mountains create their own weather. Um, They say there's going to be a blizzard, and the next day sunny and 60. And then they say Mm -hmm. we're going to get an inch of snow, and we get a foot. So um, you're right. That's cool. That is cool. (laughs) You go in the front yard, it's a blue sky, and you go in the backyard, and it's raining up here. Uh 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 (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Well, I wanted to say one thing about your when they did not want to pick up your movie and your book. You know, the United Kingdom is about 25 years ahead of North America. So mm-hmm. they are way, way ahead of us. They had a whole public service campaign, this was probably 12 years ago, where they put swimsuits on billboards, on buses, on grocery bags. And they said, you know, if anyone touches you in areas from suit covers and you're uncomfortable, tell a trusted adult. So they bought tons of my books. They had public service announcements. They are light years ahead of North America. So if you have any contacts over there, they would love all of your material just because they're more self-aware than Americans are. That's good to know. Um, Actually, there is is one lady. Mm -hmm. There is one lady that uh, maybe I could contact and see what she has to say about that. They said it was too terrifying. Okay. Well, it's a Um, cultural thing that they do talk about it. I mean, this was a nationwide campaign, and this ran for six, seven months. It's just what they did. And um, I didn't get to go over and see it, but I heard about it, and it just, I always remember that. And I said to the lady, you're a good 25 years ahead of North America. We are not going to get there for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, keep that in the back of your mind, because your material is important. 
and it needs mm-hmm. to be heard, but there is still a stigma. So this is one of the things I want to work on. I talk constantly online. I want to make child abuse a public health issue. When you ride a bike, you wear a helmet. When you're in a car, you wear a seatbelt. If someone touches you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, you tell a trusted adult. I want to mm-hmm. make it a public health issue. Like what you said a minute ago with the pandemic, I had never heard anyone refer to child abuse that way. But mm-hmm. if we can move it into public health, we're going to get more press. It's not going to be as scary. We're going to reach more kids. Right, right. And and that's so important because it's a, a parent thing and also a child thing. Um, a lot of times they feel ashamed and, 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 you know, very, very frightened. Maybe they've been, you know, told, if you if you tell on me, which was one of the things that happened to me with one of mine abusers, if you tell on me, I will kill you. Correct. And uh, uh-huh. I, I saw him kill my aunt's bird, so I wasn't about to tell on him yeah. because I figured I'd, he'd, tell, he'd kill me too. So, you see, they have all these ways of controlling children, and I right. did finally tell on him. I did. I did try. I, I told on him. But it took me a year and a half to do it, okay? I was living with them. and It was yeah. just awful. So, I mean, when we live in a, a world like this where there's so many um, problems, where there's so many children being sexually abused and they don't know which way to turn, um, it, it's a very frightening and, and a very um, horrifying experience for a child. They don't know what to do with that fear. They're not sure a lot of times if they're too young, because mine started at six, um, they, they're not too sure how to feel about it. You know, they know they're terribly frightened. But uh, it depends on if the person is nice with them or if they're nasty with them, like my uncle was with me. He was an uncle through blood. Uh, not blood, I'm sorry. He wasn't, you know, he was two marriages, is what I tried to say. Um, but the point is, you know, I was scared to death of them. So I wasn't about to talk too much about it until I finally had, had enough at the ripe uh-huh. old age of seven and a half. So, uh-huh. you know. This is what kids go through, and it's not right, it's not fair, and it's not acceptable. Okay. And then they wonder why kids today are are so, you know, so volatile. Uh When I worked in detention, I told you about that earlier when I worked there, um, I looked at the backgrounds of the children, and a lot of them came from backgrounds like we hear at NASCA. Uh And then they, Uh they wonder why. You know, why are they so angry? Why are they so this, so that? There's a darn good reason for it, okay? So well, it's abandonment. Abandonment when you're living in a house with your mom and she won't protect you from your dad. You're abandoned, yeah. even if you're Absolutely. not left on the street. It's abandonment, and then that creates anger, which creates all the other things um, that can happen. I think it's wonderful that you do programs like this and that you mm-hmm. people are listening um, everywhere and they can replay it or stop. And you can always email me if you have questions. I'm at juliefederico.com. I talk to people. Sometimes people email me random questions. I'm all over YouTube with all of these videos they made in my backyard. They all mm-hmm. kind of say the same thing. Talk to your kids. Mm-hmm. Please talk to your kids. And I always say prevention is fun and easy. Give it a try. I'm always pushing prevention, like every day in different ways. Yeah, um, you and me both. Because it, mm-hmm. it does work. And if you give mm-hmm. your kids permission to tell, they'll tell. But if you don't, for the love of God, hold on to your hat. Because what happens is 
the risk-taking behaviors these kids were doing in middle school were off the charts because they had been abused as little kids, I would say zero to eight, never told anyone. So in seventh and eighth grade, they're doing everything you can even imagine. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, that's going to be terrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. If your mm-hmm. middle schoolers doing huge risk-taking behaviors, ask them sometimes, does someone ever hurt you? And you will probably be shocked at what you hear. I mean, no one starts doing risk-taking behaviors and doing those crazy adult things as a seventh grader unless you have a vendetta. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're abused as a child and abandoned by your mother who didn't protect you or your grandmother or whoever you're living with, these kids will get in over their head. You're going to need the National Guard at your house because they're crazy when they go on these rampages. And um, it's it was scary. It was scary to watch. But I understood all the pieces. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You line them all up, it's like a puzzle. You're like, oh, I understand why you're drinking and smoking pot in the seventh grade. That makes kind of sense to me, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Not really, but in some ways it did. And mm-hmm. I do have to put a shout-out for the um, child advocacy centers. Every city in North America has a child advocacy center. And there's also some in Australia, Mexico, and Europe. If your child is harmed, I wouldn't call the police. I would get to a child advocacy center. In some cities, they won't take you off the street. You have to go through social services or through the police. So the beauty of the child advocacy center is they interview your child once, once, and it's recorded through like a two-way mirror. So your child tells your story once, and there's tons of support there for the child, the child's sibling, and the parents. So they have a holistic approach to all of this stuff, and they will become your best friend if you do encounter something and you do encounter that there's trouble. Try to get to your closest child advocacy center wherever you live. That's so true. I have um, I have Deidre's house come on. Um, well, uh-huh. I try to get them on twice a year, but usually it's only just once a year. That won't happen again until January, I guess. And um, I'm familiar with all those advocacy centers, many of them. And my God... Um, I, I can speak for myself. I sure wish they were around when I was a kid, okay, because um, I had to go through the police departments and stuff, and I remember being so terrified. You know, uh, I, I grew up around guns, Julie. I grew up around uh-huh. knives. I grew up around terrible violence. And so then to be taken into a, a police department, <clears throat> excuse me, because uh, of things that happened, and the police officers, of course, this is their job. They're they're, they're in uniform. And their guns are, you know, swinging off their hip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, and they just have, you know, certain ways of speaking. And I'm not saying they're wrong. They're good. They're good people. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, it's it just adds to the already fear factor that uh, a child who comes from a, a, a dysfunctional home where there has been so much violence. It's like going from one violent situation. Right. Gee, that means guns are okay. Look, these are supposed to be good people, and guns are flying off their hips. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, it's uh, well, yeah. Law enforcement are not trained in mental health or therapy or social work. You know what I mean? I mean, they're trained in law enforcement, yes. and it's two different things you want. If your kid is hurt, you want a social worker, you want a counselor, and that's all the people over at child advocacy centers. They don't hire anyone in law enforcement. I mean, no. They're all 
therapist, and then they have doctors, and they will do the exam there. But everything is in one under one house, and they're really trained. I'm sorry you went through that. That sounds terrifying, just really, really terrifying. Um, well, you know what's bad too, and and they uh, and you know they have to learn this. Okay, um, yes, they need to speak to the child if they're not going to be in a CAC center. Okay, and that's unfortunate if they're not. I agree, but you don't pull a kid out in front of their peers to you know come mm-hmm. to school, take the kid out to go downtown and look at mug shots. Okay. Because uh, you already feel different A child already feels different Um, I felt dirty I was scrubbing my skin so hard at one point It was actually bleeding Um, You know, because I'd already had far too much And um, even one time is too much But I had had far too much And um, so you feel very ashamed See, that's where shame comes in, right, Julie? You know, going out in front of your peers And the kids all snickering and, And you feel like bopping them over the head And you can't, you know and, you know, so they take you out of the school and they put you in the police department. With me, they put me up on top of, um, oh, a file cabinet, gave me a glass of milk, gave me a donut, and said, get busy, get busy, start looking at pictures, you know. And and it is a disheartening feeling. It's a, a frightening feeling. And they're not doing anything wrong. It's just that, like you said, they're not trained. So... When we have um, places like the CACs where, uh, you know, children can go in and their testimony that they give, no one wears uniforms, right? They don't wear police uniforms or anything. They're just in regular street clothes. And Uh everything is kid-friendly, you know, um, nice furniture for kids, you know, the the bean bags and and all this other stuff and, and nice pictures on the walls and a total different atmosphere, maybe even from what they came from, okay? And uh, and sometimes, not all the time, but a lot of times, I'm going to put it that way, that testimony can be used in court, and then they don't have to go through that terrible court scene. Um, and in my case, uh, the man only got, he was one for 14, possible 15. He was in the process of 15, got caught, but um, of kidnapping and raping. And... Um, well, my guy, our guy, oh, Lord Jesus, when he only got three years imprisonment, the whole courtroom stood up and screamed at the judge, he deserves life. Mm-hmm. This is the whole courtroom, okay? This is in Staten Island, New York, because I used to live there. And um, everybody was enraged. They were enraged. Because, you see, a lot of times with our justice system, um, they don't get what they deserve. So if children are horrified, you know, to begin with, I mean, the whole thing is horrifying, and they don't have a CAC that they can go to, um, and they are then drugs dragged, you know, through the um, the courtroom thing, then it's just one trauma on top of another trauma on top of it another is. trauma. Yes. It really is. So let's back up, back up all the way to zero on that number line. You want to do prevention with your kids. Start tonight, and you may go to your kids. So this is a Twitter version of what you say. You say, hey, kids, I was just on this, this crazy podcast with Carol and Julie, and I want to talk to you Thursday. We're going to Thanksgiving, 
and we're all going to be, you know, eating pumpkin pie, drinking, watching football, and talking. And if you ever feel up safe, come and get me. Tap me on the top of my right hand and say, I need to talk to you, and I will leave the conversation, and we'll go outside and talk. Your body is your own. No one has any right to touch it. And I want to know if somebody is being offensive with you because it's wrong. And you will feel that it's wrong. And it's okay for you to tell me. That's all you have to say. So the nice thing about these programs is you can click on them and go back and replay them. (laughs) You can listen to them again. But that's all you really need to say. And Mm -hmm. chances are nothing will happen. But if something happens, you will have a game plan. You will know exactly what to do. And something will happen once. And I always say to parents, it's so much better to have once than seven years, ten years, twelve years, eighteen years. You know what I mean? The harm to repair eighteen years of abuse is steep. Those wounds are so deep. Mm -hmm. One, you can recover from one fairly quickly, and you cut contact off with that person. Um, And that's how you make this work. And I think it works every time because kids want to tell. Kids know what's wrong. But they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. And they don't know how to start that conversation. You know, for the love of God, that uncle that you love so much that you've been talking about for six months, well, that's what happened with your uncle. That's hard to say when someone is close or it's your Mm -hmm. husband or it's your stepdad or your grandpa. Those Mm -hmm. are hard conversations to have. Um, But they're very easy for you to lay the groundwork to keep your kids safe. And that's what you want to do so you don't get a crazy teenager doing everything in the book by the time they're 12. I know. That's so true. That's so, so, so true. Because I I remember I was a rough kid. I'm still a rough kid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a kid anymore, am I? But I'm still rough, (laughs) okay? Because we have our guard up, okay? Mm -hmm. This is why, um, you know, the lasting effects of, of, of child abuse now, I did get help. I got help through the church. Um, okay. It's unusual. I'm Catholic, and I got help through the church. I did, Julie. I did. Because it, it was, um, I mentioned this at times. I mentioned it just the other night. But so to clarify what I'm speaking about now, um, it was a huge prayer group in St. James, okay, in Red Bank. And I will say their names because I'm proud of that church. One good, really good Catholic church. So since the prayer group was so big, it, it drew a different type of people. Uh, people came from all different walks of life. So there were counselors right there in the prayer group, and that's where I got my help from, okay? So you see, there there are people out there that do want to help and, and are good people. That's why I can say the good, the bad, and the ugly, Okay. So, and that's why I use it all the time, the good, the bad, the ugly, trying to stress the people, yes, there are good people, but then you have your bad people, eh, okay, they're wishy-washy, whatever, maybe they're not going to rape a kid, but maybe they do other things, or, or maybe they're into something else totally different, and then you have the ugly, because these people are monsters, they're monsters to children, mm-hmm. and um, I had a lot of monsters, <laughs> I had a lot of monsters. Let me see if Philip has something he wants to say or if, if there's something he wants to ask or add. Philip, you there? Hello. Um, have you ever volunteered anywhere? Mm-hmm. 
He's asking you that, Julie. Have you ever done any oh, type sorry. of volunteer work? I, I volunteered for a while. I was a with kids tutor where we tutored kids after school um, and helped them with homework and things. I've also volunteered. I've been to Pine Ridge Indian Reservation twice with That's my cool. kids, and we ran VBS or Vacation Bible School up there. Um, and for a while I worked for Project Cure. I went around and collected medical supplies that offices, doctor's offices had thrown away, and they repurposed those, and they shipped them all over the world. And that was kind of that was kind of exciting um, mm-hmm. to help with that. Um, I, I think that um, a lot of us, especially um, those of us who have been, you know, assaulted one way or another, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, sexually, the whole nine yards, the whole gamut of it all, um, I think that um, many times there are many of us who do volunteer work. What we're doing right here, we don't get paid for it, <laughs> okay? Um my payment is writing a book that made it to Japan. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. It made it to Japan and, and down under, and it's stuck somewhere in between right now. I don't know where it is. And, and then being a talk show host, it's always trying and, and doing presentations, the things that we can do, okay? Um, speaking to police officers, I did that one night. I didn't know I was going to. Um, only moments before I, I found out. And then I needed hypnotizing. <laughs> That's funny. My husband was into hypnosis for a while, and um, he had been working for nine. He was a part of 9/11. Okay. And then he stayed there four more years, and was became he was getting sick all the time. Okay. And I had to take him to the hospital for this and that and this and that. It was awful, horrifying. And yes, he did die finally in 2017. It was a long haul. Okay. Awful. So. Um, but the point is, he decided he was going to become a hypnotist. And I kind of thought, I was chuckling to myself. Because I didn't believe in hypnosis. I didn't. You know, you see too many phony ones and all this other stuff, okay. you know. So I thought to myself, well, okay, listen, this is what he wants to do. I'm certainly not going to stand in his way or make fun of him or anything like that. Well, Miss Tough Girl here got hypnotized by him. <laughs> I did, and I I I lost twenty minutes. I lost twenty minutes, and I was going to do a presentation, and um, and I was told at last minute, you know, that uh, it, there could be police officers there. Well, I didn't know it was going to be a huge amount of police officers. Okay, and um, so I was a little bit, you know, uh, not upset, but a little bit feeling funny. All right, I said, okay, okay, hypnotize me. And I was hypnotized. And, and let me tell you something. I did a, a really good presentation. I felt completely at home, and, and um, I was calm, and, and all this other stuff. So it made a sort of it made a believer out of me because of someone like me who was so uh, not against hypnosis. Don't get me wrong, but not believing in hypnosis. If I could be hypnotized. I think all of us on this panel could be hypnotized. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So um, whatever it takes for people then to start to heal, uh, you know, from these childhood events, and, and they, you know, everyone's different. Uh, but it's all abuse. 
okay, with the sexual and the physical and the mental and the emotional and the neglect. It's all abuse, and, you know, it, it covers all the areas of abuse when we speak about it on this show because we speak about each one. But I, like you, I push prevention because, uh-huh. doggone it, if, if we had someone, if we had parents that understood prevention and and why it's so, so, so important to understand prevention, whether you were a victim or not, okay, then our children, you know, they might be safer, and that's what's so important. You know? mm-hmm. like Bill, yeah. Bill says um, that children are our future, and it's true. And, and, and you know, children learn from <clears throat> how they, excuse me, from, from what they grew up in, you know, their environmental conditioning. Um, do they come from a, a domestic violence? What type of people are they? Many times it shows right out on the children, and that's what happens. That's what happens. So prevention of this and prevention of that is very, very important. I'm so happy you're writing books. Very, Thank very happy. Thank you. So my goal is to be in that black bag that they give you when you come home from the hospital with all the formula samples. They give mm-hmm. you this black bag with coupons and formula in it. For years, I've wanted to be in that black bag. So I come home from the hospital with you in the book, and then obviously mm-hmm. you're going to read it. And just to have that and be like, oh, a lot of people don't even know they need the book until after they read it. They're like, oh, I need this, but I'd love to be mm-hmm. in that bag, you know. For long, for a long time, I called Similac and Infamil. This went on for like two or three years, and then I gave up. They didn't want to put me in the bag. And I was going to donate the books and put them in the bag. <laughs> Mm-hmm, but anyway, mm-hmm. I think if you have this from the beginning, and I've always wanted to talk to a room full of pregnant people because you know those little kids haven't been harmed yet, that to me would feel like Christmas morning. I'm like, ha-ha, mm-hmm. these kids are protected. And mm-hmm. you want to start young. People come and think of it at the wrong age. Usually when their kids start to do sleepovers, they have some talk with them. That's around eight years old. When I started doing this work, the average age kids were approached was five I bet now it's dropped to three is the average age that kids are approached. So you mm-hmm. only have two years they're nonverbal, one year they're verbal. So you're really at a disadvantage, I think, for trying to talk to this stuff about kids that are really young. I always tell this story about my daughter. So I had a paper copy when she was 18 months old. We're carving pumpkins one day, and I had read her the paper copy. And she goes, Mom, do pumpkins have private parts? And I'm like, aha, I'm a genius. She got this as an 18-month-old. And my goodness, if she got it, your 18-month-old could get it. If your kid's really smart, maybe your 9-month-old will get it. I think if you read this book to your kids and they're not verbal, they will understand the message intuitively just because humans like to be protected. So I think you can read it to kids that are nonverbal and have the book grow up with them. And it just be something that you talk about. Real little kids can get this information. I was in Hartford, Connecticut two years ago. So in April they had me, they read my book and all the head starts in Hartford. I felt like I was famous. The police chief read in run room, firemen. I was in another room. And these kids were two and three years old. And they listened. And I think they understood some of what I was saying. And they were so little. But anyway, yeah. it's not when your kid goes to sleep over. You've got to back this up. I would say you back it up to a six-month-old and you start mm-hmm. reading stuff like this. 
and they will get it, and they will ask you questions, and it just know you're doing the right thing, even if you feel like you're not doing the right thing. Well, what you're saying is so important, and I really think, and I'm looking back, I'm thinking back, before the pandemic, uh, one of the places uh, that I had done presentations, um, then for two years they didn't do presentations, and I'll get back into it because people are out and about and they're walking around without masks, and I hope we don't have to go back to doing that stuff again. There'll mm-hmm. be no more presentations in that area. Mm-hmm. But um, I was giving presentations in um, in another state, and, um, and all the people were listening. Everything was fine. Okay, and then the next year that I went there, um, they didn't want me to do it. And as it turned out, they didn't want the children to hear, you know, what I was saying. Uh Now, I was talking to the adults the first time, and the children weren't really allowed in there. Maybe a few of them got in there. I don't know. I'm too busy doing a presentation. I don't know. (laughs) know? And um, maybe there were complaints because a few snuck in. They wanted to see what that lady's talking about. What's she talking about, you know? So um, so anyway, the, the following year, um, I wasn't allowed to, to do that, and I was really upset about that. But fun, something very funny happened, which shows you something about children, okay? I'm standing with uh, the people that I was going to do the presentation with, and they certainly were putting things together, but they said that we can't this year because blah, blah, blah. So we're having this conversation. And all of a sudden, um, I think it was three children came up to the table that I would have been standing at, and uh, they started to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And they started, they wanted to know, and I'm going to say one was about eight years old, another one was about six, um, the other one was about well, about seven. So six, seven, and eight, there you go. Um, and after I spoke to them, teaching them how to yell for help if someone approaches them that they don't know, a stranger, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, not just teaching a stranger danger, however it is important, but, you know, if someone comes up to you and and you don't know this person, you certainly don't want to stay around this person because this person could be a person who's not good. It could happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, teaching them, talking to them, just coming out with anything that really popped into my head because I was so amused and happy that just even three little children you know, were interested in what I had to say. So I spoke to them for a while and gave them some for instances and all this other stuff. And after I was done, because I didn't know what else to say, it wasn't a presentation, you know, that I had prepared for, just speaking with the children, um, this one little girl stood up. She said, you did a good job. (laughs) That was so cute. It was so cute. It really was. It was so cute. So you see, parents out there have to understand that children have minds, and they do want to learn. They do want mm-hmm. to learn what's good and what's bad, okay? Now, there was 100 kids there that day. Um, and, of course, we who get presentations, yourself included, I'm sure, we know how to gauge our audience, okay? Mm-hmm. We know how to speak to children, and that's why those kids were real happy. And, and they got a toy because they had said that. And the one girl especially, <laughs> it was cute. But um, the point is we we know how to, and people have to understand that. 
we're not going to blow your children away um, with all different kinds of, of uh, you know, things that could happen in the sense where they're drawing terrible pictures that's going to frighten them. The idea is not to frighten them. It's to educate them. And there's a right way and a wrong way of doing that. So those people had nothing to fear, but they didn't know me. Okay, they really didn't know me. So I'm the type of person that after, you know, the kids started going home, the parents started going home, I walked down the block and I started handing out NASCAR cards and information to the parents, and which I hadn't done the year before. And, um, and some of them recognized me because of my book. I mean, that was years later, but they still recognize it. Still, it's, everybody's still reading my book. I'm thankful for that. But the point okay. is, aren't you that lady? You know, and all this other stuff. So um, the point is, parents many times are the roadblocks. They are. Many times. So, of course, my book isn't like your books, okay? So... You know, mine's volatile and all this other stuff, where yours is kid-friendly. And that's why it's so important for people to write books like you write, because you can use it as a tool. It's not going to terrify the kid, all right, and yet it's going to educate them. So you're, that's important. You're exactly right. Parents are the roadblock a lot of times because it's mom's boyfriend molesting a little girl and she doesn't want boyfriend to leave because he makes rent you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there are obstacles so can i talk about my next project and brag a little bit Absolutely. here so it kind of leads into that so you say parents yes. are the roadblocks so my book some parts are not for sharing i would say next christmas is going to be out in an amazon prime movie so kids could watch this on their own they could find the little fish on their home screen they can watch it and if the parents won't read them the book, they're going to be able to watch me on their television, which to me, I'm over the moon about this. Um, mm-hmm. So it's still in the working zone, um, but I'm excited. The parents don't have to buy the book. It's going to be on the home screen. You know, when you search for enough stuff, they make recommendations um, so kids can watch this on their own and be like, hey, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. okay what grandpa's mm-hmm. doing to me and then an older kid will probably be like let's call the reporting hotline you know because there's reporting hotlines all over north america and i'm hoping some kids will get some help from the movie i hope that schools watch the movie do you know what i mean um Absolutely. ymcas when the kids are in on a snow day or something so Kids are so tech-savvy that they could figure out the reporting hotline if they really wanted to. Do you know what I mean? Yes, um, I do. But that's an exciting mm-hmm. – that's exciting. Um, my book is out in Spanish and English. The movie is only going to be in English, and I've asked for Spanish mm-hmm. subtitles, but we're, that's not – I'm getting kind of hung up on that because they don't want to do that. But anyway, mm-hmm. you can pay, probably set your TV to Spanish if you want, I think, on your own. But that's exciting, something that's coming up. Well, I I think that's a wonderful idea. Let's talk to Lori and see what she thinks about it. Go ahead, Lori. I like the way that um, things are going these days with what you're doing and whatnot, because it's going to be, just let me breathe a sec. It's going to be needed um, forever, forever and ever. And I agree with you that uh, the younger, um, as soon as you start talking to your baby, uh, you can figure out words and whatnot, but the baby is 
just because they can't talk, they do understand things. They're, they're like sponges from when they're born. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, more, if they see it on the big screen, you know, while they're watching cartoons even, you know, Grace, it's like on a kid's show. One sec. That's a good idea. Sorry. They're going to yeah. find their way to you, and it's going to grow and grow and grow. So what you're doing and have been doing is like it's going to branch out. I mean, I actually see a full tree happening from what you're doing. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm still impressed. We need you. Well, the two of my yeah. books are being made into movies. One is really stalled, so I don't even I hesitate to say that because I don't even know if they're working on it. I have another book on domestic violence prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm where the kid in the book, he tells a mandatory reporter, which is a teacher, that he's being harmed at home. Um, so that book is about domestic violence prevention. We've just been stalled. So I have fingers crossed, but um, I don't I don't have a firm feel on that one. But, yeah, to have two out would be, I just feel, I just feel so grateful and so hopeful that I can start to make a change, you know. I'm not reliant on the parent going to buy a book and sitting down and reading it to you. A lot of parents will do that. A lot of parents won't. So this is the next best thing, to have the movie read it to you. You know what I mean? And it's animated and that kind of thing. Um, I like taking the parent out of the equation. You know what I mean? I've just seen it go south too many times that if the kids could access this on their Saturday morning cartoons, I think that's going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and someone's contacting me on the phone. They don't know that I'm on the show. So you guys just keep talking. <laughs> I'm going to use my cell phone and let them know that I'm trying to do a show here. Hello. Okay, so what time of the day, like, all these um shows do you plan on coming out? I mean, when do the kids really get up to start watching cartoons and whatnot? So it's not going to be on a cartoon. It's just going to be, you know, when you log on to to Amazon, you can type in the name of your movie or they make recommendations across the bottom. It's just going to be on the home screen, but it's not on cartoons. It's just, it's always on, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, It's streaming. I'm just wondering, like, what time the kids get up when they're not going to school. I know the parents, you know, they work so hard. They like to sleep late on the weekend, and they mm-hmm. always tell their kids, you know, to play your games, do it quietly. So um, I'm trying to find out. Let me just reload one more time. What time kids actually are more active? Is it going to be early in the morning, like around 5? Seven, eight, or nine? I think it's always active because kids carry those tablets in the grocery stores. You know what I mean? Parents use it like a pacifier, so I don't think there's going to be a time. It's just it's just always on whenever it works for you. Because uh, I remember I went and I had seen uh, my cousin's um, kids or whatever down, down south somewhere, and her kids were watching TV before they were going to school. School, which really surprised me. I mean, because I never did that. You can't put the TV on before you go to school. You have to get no. up too early, you know. But that's what they're doing these days. As they're eating breakfast, they're sitting there 
watching. That's weird. That's weird. So yeah, I want we the left. parents to be able to program the TV to be like watching what you're doing wherever you're yeah. going. I want them to have it put on um, the TV for when the kids get up. Maybe they, you know, it's whatever they're choosing. I'd rather have them guided. And the way you're right. doing well, it, make, that, I want them recommendations. Guided. They'll say, you watched this movie, well, you might like this. So they recommend things in your genre. So if you're watching other educational videos, it will pop up. You know what I mean? If you're watching race cars, other race cars pop up. So it kind of follows what you're watching. It makes recommendations, which is nice. And, um, you know, the more popular it gets, the faster it comes up on your feed. You know that. The most popular things are always at the front. Um, So I'm hopeful. Um, That only sounds wonderful, especially since they can walk around with the – I mean, how much – there's so much time they spend on these devices of theirs. Why not educate them? That's You're my right. my theory. And I've seen kids as young as two walking around with these little phones. So why not have that on their phones? You know, they, You're right. So are there other people who are doing what you're doing? I mean, are you trying to recruit people, you know, to even expand no, I'm not recruiting anyone. Oh, you should. People say yeah. I want to write a book, and I always say, "Go ahead and go ahead and write." Um, yeah. 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 I'm alo- I'm kind of alone. There's not. I'm kind of the only one talking to babies about this, so I don't wow. have a lot of people that work in my area. There's some older books, like I mentioned earlier in the program, but I'm okay. the only one talking to real little babies. So you are. You're right on the foundation. You yeah, can yeah, do yeah. so many things. I, I mean, can, and it's in a whole lot of future. fun. Yeah, it's a whole so lot of I fun s- to work on. I see. Uh, I mean, you sound young, you sound strong, you sound intelligent, you sound um, passionate. I mean, you've got all the qualities to really um, like start a grassroots movement of yourself um, doing all of this with the. I, I picture you doing, and I kind of do. You know, because your mission is going to be like a lifelong thing. It Um, is. I'll be doing this when I'm in a nursing home, still making YouTube videos. And I'll make the nurse hold my camera for me, you know, with my oxygen on. No um, grief. (laughs) No, I think it's great. (laughs) My kids say I'm dramatic. I want them to hear that. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I want to you in the nursing home do it. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, when I say nursing home to me, you know what I say to them? I can't say it on air. But anyway. I know. Um, <laughs> I don't want to hear that. But, you know, like, um, I'm far from that, and so are you. But, you know, here's here's what, what Lori's saying is, is very accurate. Um, you don't hear people making, um, you know, movies or, or whatever, because I missed part of this because I had to take that phone call. Otherwise, I'd continue to call back. And then I don't know if you guys can hear it clicking on the other end, but I think you probably can. But, you know, the point is this. It's something that's needed. You know, when you invent something or you, you write a book or, or you write a song or, or you know, with a, a certain type of, of title, you know, a certain type of subject matter, you think to yourself, is it needed? And with all the stats being as they are, Julie, 
Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's horrific, the stats, okay, of children being kidnapped, of children being raped, of children watching domestic violence and, and, and um, uh, you know, all the things that go along with that and what it does to them, how it hurts them, how um, I, mean, I had panic attacks from the age of nine until 49. And, and no magic pill took them away, Julie. I got mad at my at my panic attacks. I did. <laughs> I got mad. And I won't tell you what I said in my head. No, I won't. I didn't say it out loud. All right? But I said it in my head because I would be in public when I'd get it, okay? You would never know that today, all right? <laughs> but, you know, the point is, um, yeah, sometimes it is mind over matter, you know, if you're strong enough, if your mind is strong enough. So with kids, they can develop all different types of things. Look at the suicide rate. The suicide rate is horrific. I was, um, I was, I had, I always do research, so I had a lot of research in front of me a few nights ago, and I was reading about the suicide rate of teenagers, and they were adding ten-year-olds in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now these are children that many times came from homes that were. Um, you know, horrible, horrible abuse was going on. Maybe they were horribly abused. And a lot with domestic violence, a lot with sexual abuse, all the things that we speak about on this show here, okay? There's so many kids that, that see that, and that ruins the kid's spirit. And, and they, they develop terrible anxiety. Anxiety turns into depression. Depression, as you know, turns into suicide. It can. Mm-hmm. So when we have all of these things... That, that children, um, you know, witness, they're a part of, that's why I can keep pushing. We learn that in school anyway with the environmental conditioning, how children are so often, you know, a part of what they grew up with. And then hopefully somewhere down the line they get help, okay, one way or another. And then they can, um, you know, turn into a, um, a happy person, and maybe 80% say of what they were supposed to be because we're always going to have a little bit of something that's a, a leftover, okay, but we don't let it define who we are today. We don't do that. And so I see certain things, even in myself. I'm not perfect. And, um, you know, I see certain things. I think Lori's almost perfect, though. Yes, I do. You should hear the things she does. Oh. But anyway, so... <laughs> so what I'm trying to say here is um, if I feel I'm over the panic part I don't get that anymore but um, going into a room where there's 100 people where I've done presentations like that okay um, sometimes I get that stiff feeling and I don't feel like I belong because I'm different how many of these people were abused well if you listen to statistics and you know studies um, a lot more than what you think Okay, it's just that uh, they made it too. I'm there, they're there. But we always have a little feeling of feeling different. If we can just stop this, you know, we can't stop child abuse. But if we can at least educate our children enough so that that number goes way down so they don't go through the, the, the horror show, if you will, of what we go through growing up. Uh, trying to be normal but not knowing how to be normal because we never knew normal, okay? Um, All the things that people go through, um, then we've done our job and we would have happier people. We would have a happier society because those children that don't learn, 
about the world, and then they go into all of these things that happen to them. That's why the juvenile detention center was so full of packed full of kids. I worked with uh-huh. kids who committed adult crimes. All right, they had uh-huh. cells; they didn't have rooms. And then that's why you know the prison itself and the jails are, are filled with people to to overflow because if you you know learn the the bio on them, if you will, if you learn their background. Um, you find out that they came from homes where there was so much dysfunction and, and so many things that happened that they witnessed, even if they just witnessed the domestic violence, they're going to turn out. That's trauma. You know that. Even if just they yes. witnessed mommy and daddy, you know, trying to, to kill each other or something. So it's very, very important to reach the children so that uh, they can grow up and be responsible people and and happy people, All right? Happy people. So what, I was getting bits and pieces because I had to take that call. I had to get rid of it. Um, what I'm saying to you, it's so important, so very important. These the books and then the movies, and I, I was listening to a little bit of what you and Lori were speaking about. Uh, where it's on TV, and like the kids used to turn on Donald Duck, okay, <laughs> and all this other stuff, um, and Goofy and all of them, and um, in my case, the Three Stooges, because I thought they were silly and hysterical. Let them learn something that will help them and yet be educational enough to keep their attention. Educational okay. and fun enough. Not fun, that's not the right word. But something that would, um, you know, kids would like to watch or it would keep their interest. So I've noticed with your books, because I've gone and, and, and looked at them, um, and it's even mentioned right here in your bio, um, anger is okay, violence is not. Well, you have books where it has, like, blown up animals and blown up this and all this other stuff. Um, little children love to look at stuff like that, and yet they're saying something, Okay. Um, something's happening with these animals. And, and the things that are, you know, being spoken about is teaching them. Like you said before, your body belongs to you. And, you know, the way that you have illustrations in the book is, uh, I think, uh, pretty darn good. I'm, I'm happy with that. We need more of that. And then if you have it on TV, on top of it all, that's really going to be excellent for the kids. They'll turn you on. Instead of, uh, you know, turning on, uh, I don't think they have Donald Duck anymore. <laughs> Do they have Donald Duck anymore? I don't think so. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. You know, you, well, you know what, what I'm saying. What happens if you're living with domestic violence and say you turn on my book, Anger is Okay, Violence is Not, it resonates with you. Like, I'm watching on TV, who's mm-hmm. not the authority, but it has some level of power. The TV says this is wrong. Well, you know it's wrong intuitively because you're a smart kid to begin with. But, again, you don't know what to do. But any time you read a book that validates your reality, that's golden. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's so important. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. It's very, very important. So if we can reach, or you can reach in the type of work that you do, if you can reach um, the children, say the kids are in a home where there's terrible domestic violence going on, and it, and they say, get out of here, get out of here, go in the other room. Okay, don't go in the other room. Turn the TV on and turn you on. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. and and uh, maybe that would help calm them and and also it helps show them that this isn't the way. Although they wouldn't know what to do at that age, but it would help them mm-hmm. maybe 
as they're growing up so they wouldn't become that way. Every once in a while we'll have someone on the show who came from violence, horrific violence, and, mm-hmm. and yet it didn't affect them in such a way. Now, someone got to them somewhere because uh, they didn't turn volatile, okay, and they knew that it was wrong, or, or someone who didn't drink because they came from mm-hmm. an alcoholic family and they saw terrible violence that way. So therefore, they didn't want to become an alcoholic. They didn't want to. Uh, they don't understand alcoholism, but in their mind, they're saying they don't want to become an alcoholic, and they don't want to be volatile and hurt people. So they're not going to behave that way. So if they have positives brought into their life, whether violence is going on at that second, or if they're watching it throughout the course of the day, maybe two or three times a day, turning on the TV. Oh, let me see what this one's going to be about. Whatever. Um, it teaches them what's right and what's wrong, okay? That's a good way of teaching them what's right and what's wrong because when kids come from backgrounds where there's all that alcoholism, you've taken your courses, I see that here, and I've done the same, um, we know what's right and what's wrong. And I came from a horrible alcoholic family. It was disgusting. <laughs> and And I'm an alcoholic. But I haven't had a drink since uh, in the 80s. I stopped. And and uh, But then a lot of people don't, you know that. And then the destruction of the family, the family foundation falls apart. And um, the children act out in such a way that um, it's from where they came, from whence they came, okay, because they didn't learn right from wrong in between and want to become different, all right? They couldn't break the cycle. They didn't know how. So you you need things like this in the early years so that kids can learn. I mean, I know that when I was a child, um, I would look at families. We've spoken about this. Lori and I have spoken about this. A lot of us have spoken about this on the show. We'd see a family. We knew what our family was like, okay? So we would see a family that looked happy. The children are smiling. They're looking up at mommy and daddy adoringly. Um, maybe they're going on a family vacation, okay? They get into, in those days, they had station wagons, didn't they? <laughs> so they get in the station wagon, and the dog has his head hanging out the window, the whole nine yards, the whole scenario. And they're going up a mountain and all this other stuff, and they're going to go away. And everybody's singing, and, and everybody's happy. Well, to a child who comes from a background where there's none of that, all they know is violence, Um, they so long for that type of family, um, and they so long to be a part of that family, and they wish to heck that their family was like that, because then they can compare. So they can compare from your movies, all right, what you're going to be doing. They can see what's right, and they can see what's wrong. They can't do anything about it at a tender age, but it might help them as they go along um, to develop skills um, of saying, yeah, this is wrong, yes, this is right, yes, this is what I want to be, and this is what I don't want to be. And this is why what you're doing is important, very important. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're right. When you see that happy family... You're like, why can't I have that? Why, mm-hmm. why am I unlovable? 
and the kids take the responsibility for what's going on, even though it's not their fault. Yeah, many times they do. Mm-hmm. That's true. Now I, I didn't. I, I didn't, and I don't think that Lori did. Um, mm-hmm. I was too mad. And I'm angry, mm-hmm. kid. I'm still, I'm still angry. <laughs> when I look back, I get mad. Now, what the heck's wrong with those people? In my head, I'll do this. So that's one of the things that I still have a little bit of that I was talking about before. But um, a lot of kids but will I, instead, as you say, that they will learn from, and they'll say, they do say, why can't our family be like that? Uh-huh. I was jealous of some of them. I have to admit, you know, because our family was so opposite. So yeah, well, opposite. they don't have to grow up so fast. They get to be a kid. They're not fending off problems for their own life and fighting for their own life. You know, you've talked about, in this past hour we've been talking, you've talked about a lot of problems, human trafficking, domestic violence, alcoholism, and then mm-hmm. our topic was child abuse prevention. I just want to say again to parents, of all the things that Carol's talked about, you can control the child abuse one. 90% of kids who are raped are raped by someone they know. So that means someone in your family or your circle of friends. So if you give the kids this prevention message, I don't think you can stop about all the topics Lori's talked about tonight because a lot of them are out of your control. This child abuse mm-hmm. one is in your control, and it totally is. And this is the most easy one to solve of everything that you've talked about tonight. It's very easy. And I know you all can do it. If you need help, call me. I'll email you. <laughs> but I know you mm-hmm. can do it, and this is one you can control. You can control the knowledge your child has abuse, has on child abuse prevention. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can control human trafficking. I don't think you no. can control alcoholism. Those are two different mm-hmm. monsters. This is yes. the less evil of everything that you have talked about. And I just want to reiterate how easy it is. You will get used to it. You, it will get easier each time you talk to your kid, and you will know that your kid is going to be protected, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. that's golden. I always say, every time I write, I say there is no greater gift a parent can give a child than the gift of safety. So parents, please give your child the gift of safety over Thanksgiving, over Christmas, and in the coming year. Yeah. And what about on the vacations? Think about that. Yes, Vacations yes, yes. is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I write those, about that a lot in the summer. Mm-hmm. That's right. I talk about it yeah. a lot in the summer. <laughs> okay. Because I talk about it a lot at family reunion season in July. I'm like, those family reunions are dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they the truth can of the matter is like. Yeah. Well, they the don't truth have of the matter is, and I say this, you know, child abuse is 365 days a year. It doesn't Correct. have to have a season, okay? It doesn't really have you're, to have a season. You're right. Yes. But on the no, other hand, exactly right. it seems like, yes. It's But on the other hand, like vacations, though, during vacation time when the kids are home, okay, when mm-hmm. so much of it does start at home, we know this, mm-hmm. um, come from, I should say, at home. Um, you know, uh, that's that's a very hard time for children. It's a very hard time. So, you know, parents need to step up. Yes, they do. They need to step up and realize that there's major problems in this world and that they can help keep their children safe. Mm -hmm. They can do it. All they have to do 
is learn how to do it. So if they have aids like what you have, whether it be the, your books or the movies that may be coming out, and I pray to God they do, okay, mm-hmm. um, and they can use those as tools. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just tell the story really quick. There was a, a kid in a, in a neighborhood, and I've said this maybe four times now on air. I'm not going to say it again for a while, but I want you to hear it. And you'll see how important what you're doing is. Um, in a neighborhood, there was this, these kids were playing soccer, I guess, out in the front yard, kickball, whatever they were doing. And um, there was a lot of kids involved in it. So they're, they're out there, and they're playing. They're having a good time. Everything's wonderful. And um, so all of a sudden, this one little girl who had long blonde hair and a ponytail, you know, like a, the storybook girl, um, She's out there, and, and she sees that a van is driving around the neighborhood too much, okay? It's, it's going around and around. Okay. And um, so she's watching this white van go around and around and around. And uh, she doesn't say anything. All of a sudden, the van stops. About, I'm going to say three houses away from her house, okay? And these two men get out. Well, it turns out she's the target, Okay. She's the one that they want. So yeah. what happens? They approach these bunch of kids, and they're, they're continuing to, you know, play and have a good time. The girl is slowing down because she's watching them out of the corner of her eye. And all of a sudden, they realize, she realizes, oh, my God, they're coming closer to me. They're coming close to me. And um, she starts to scream. And, and she's mm-hmm. screaming at the top of her lungs, and the other kids, they, they're, they're, what? What's going on here? She says, scream, scream, scream. You see, her parents had spoken to her. Mm-hmm. Now, the one guy was even more brazen than the other guy, and, and he got very close to her, close enough for her to kick him in the shin. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, don't try to kick them you know where, because when you put your leg up, they can grab your leg, and flip you uh-huh. over and drag Correct. you to the van. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I, I took a little bit of martial arts. I didn't like it very much, <laughs> but I learned some things. So anyway, the point is this. Um, so there's right ways and wrong ways of doing it. Well, those guys took off like a bat out of you-know-where. They got into uh-huh. their van, but because that girl had been spoken to and was educated as to what's right and what's wrong, looking for the red flags, um, they, the police had already been called because of all the kids screaming. You know, there's Good. these guys, there's these guys, whatever they were saying. So um, by the time they were out of this complex-type building area, I don't know, it was, it was like a, a, a situation like that. The police nabbed them. They had them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it was attempted kidnapping. That's what they had in mind. They were going to take this girl. So you see... That was one case where uh, it shows beautifully where um, a child was saved and those other little kids that maybe didn't have parents who spoke to them, they got a little education that way, didn't they? Well, that's a wonderful story. Um, Thank goodness. it's a true one. It's a true one. Yeah. And You know, you only have to protect Mm -hmm. your kids. You don't have to protect the whole zip code. No. Nobody has really more than two kids now anyway, so you only got to talk to two or three kids, and that's mm-hmm. easy. Um, so just take care of your own family, and um, your kids will reap the benefits of it. That's a wonderful story. 
Well, it's a true one, and I'm so thankful that that family, now, again, this was several years ago, this happened, about four years ago. Time goes by so fast. And um, so those parents four years ago, I'm going to say four years ago, they knew the right thing to do. And and it just saved a lot of kids. It saved uh, that their daughter, and it taught the others. So that's what's so important. Yeah. Well, that's a, a yeah. nice way to end it. That's a great story to remember. Thank you. No, you're quite welcome. I've told it maybe three or four times over the last 14 years um, on on uh, you know on their show here because um, it's important and what you're doing is very very important and I certainly hope that everything works out the way you want and I'm going to remember what you told me about the United Kingdom too. Um, oh yeah, know, they're on it. And this was yeah. seven years ago, so they're even more advanced. And this was a long time ago they did this, so mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. they're on it. And um, wow, that's good to know. Their preschools bought so many books because they gave one out to every kid at the preschool when they were doing this um, promotional or public service announcement stuff. So um, yeah, they're really they really are advanced. I would like to look at the numbers of child abuse in the United Kingdom compared to North America. With a little prevention, does the numbers go down? I bet they do, but um, that would be interesting to look I'm at look a little bit. Yeah, no, I'll give them a call. The They'll welcome up. you. They'll welcome you with open arms over there. Maybe I'll mention your um, name. Do they know you? They might not remember me because it's been a while. <laughs> They'd be like, who is that lady? Um, so you could mention, they probably still have the book, but they don't, probably don't know mm-hmm. my name, but they would know the, the book jacket. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to see your stuff in pamphlets, too, because they can go yeah. into doctor's offices, um, all different places. Even in your school, there can be them. Um, they can get out, you know, quick, too. Give them just a little bit of information, what they need to know to attract them to you, like your own separate, you know, venue for your books. Like mm-hmm. I pick up a pamphlet, like waiting in the doctor's office, and if I liked what I saw, I would go take it home and, you know, do what it said to do, call whoever I need and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's another, another way to get out there, too. No, that's a good idea. It is a good idea. And you know where it's needed, too, very badly, Julie? I, I, t- I go to um, daycare centers. And, um, oh, yeah. I haven't, yeah. Because, you know, they're supposed to have a certain amount of hours of training, the director, okay? I know. I, it's not yeah. a very long. It's like 17, 18 hours. That's it, all right? And, uh, but it's better than nothing. And I don't think they're even getting that much, okay, from things that were said. Um, and then they don't teach their staff, all right, hmm. and and that's, that's not good. So I one of the last places I was at, this is before the pandemic. I've got to start into this again. Um, I have to have a foot operation, <laughs> and then after that's out of the way, then then I'll be ready to walk. Okay. So, um, but anyway, um, it's important. It's important to get it like you say with the the smaller children. So what better place too? than a daycare center, and educate those people. So if you have it there in daycare centers, the pamphlets like she's talking about, Lori's talking about, that's a very good idea. I just simply had taken, and I still have a lot left, um, uh, 
you know, I made copies over at my daughter's house from our website, the red flags mm-hmm. of child abuse, all right, things like mm-hmm. that. Good. And um, you have to ask permission for a cell. Um, ShopRite, um, you've heard of ShopRite, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> a lot of people have never heard of ShopRite. It's funny. But I would ask them, and they would allow for me over on the bulletin board to, um, you know, hang certain types of, you have to be careful, it can't be too graphic or anything like that. The red flags of child abuse, that's perfect. And you just hang that there. Then that's one way of educating the people in the store, because everybody goes to the bulletin board to see if there's houses for sale, boats for sale, um, whatever they're looking for, and then they'll see that. Uh-huh. They can take their camera and then just take a picture of it, just scan right over it, right? Okay. Scan right over it and take it home. Or you can leave some there. So um, anyway, the 90-second uh, thing just went off, so that means our show is basically now starting to end. I'm so happy you came on. I think you were a wonderful guest. I wish you the best with all of your endeavors. And let me tell you something. I like what you're doing. We all do. Well, you're very, very yeah. kind to have me back, and um, I love that you support my work. It's, it's yeah, a lot absolutely. of fun. Um, well, I'll be doing this forever until I die, so we will probably touch base again at some point. Um, absolutely. Thank I you for your generosity. People, well, listen, I usually bring people back on in, in a year or sometimes a little bit uh-huh. less, okay, depending on what it is, like nine sure. months, ten months, a year or something. And and see how they're doing, and uh, I'll gladly uh, you know keep in touch with you and, and let you know when you could come on again. And uh, thank you so much for being here. So now I have to end the show. Yes, I do. Thank you, Carol. Oh, you're quite welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye now. Thank you, Lori. Good night. Good night, honey.